comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, Happy New Year. It's the latest edition of the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. Kyle is in Las Vegas collecting our rent after another win against UNLV, and Trone is getting a good break in before his crazy schedule starts back up. So you have me, Austin and my wife Carly hosting today. You can find us on Twitter at it's Austin Bolton and Car Car McGee. Carly, how you feeling? How's it going? Oh well, I just have to say I'm really glad to be joining a post game win pod because my last couple have been post losses, so I'm ready for a redemption pod. I know I'm pretty jealous of Kinslow. He's on the road and has more has the same amount of wins that we do traveling, and we've gone to four games this season. So Kinslow, you got to go to more away games. Um, all right, so let's let's get into it. So the Aztecs won in Las Vegas on New Year's Eve, 76-67. Carly, what's your headline? Aztecs get second home win of conference play. Ha <laughs> ha, get it? Viejas East. Oh, with that's... the with it bolded and underlined it underneath? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that. I don't know. I love it. I love to play on that with UNLV. Love to hate them. Uh, so, yeah, that's my headline. Well, that's I, I like that. That's good. I'm, I'm kind of jealous <laughs> of it, to be honest. I think my headline is just, "Hey, we got our lunch money. Lunch money had. I don't know. It's with the team did exactly what they were supposed to do. They didn't yield to a team that that looks and sounds a lot like the Aztecs. And like you said, Thomas and Mac is Viejas East, Viejas North, whatever whatever you want to call it. We own that place. The fact that you know, they, they went over the stat a couple times during the game where the Aztecs have more non-home wins at that arena than anybody else in the country at 41, I think it was, or I think it's now it's 42. And then the second place team on that is Villanova at Madison Square Garden. That's freaking awesome. Like, oh, what, what, is, what a statistic. That's very cool. Very good. And, you know, I think a great thing about this game, which is a point you made on your pod with Trone earlier this week, we didn't have to spread watch this game. It was so much more fun to watch a conference game more elite competition, more fire, and and just be able to be happy about a win. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It just, it's just you don't, you're not just like, oh, like it's uh, this and that, and we're only up by nine now. Like it was, it was definitely a nice change of pace. Um, I will say credit to UNLV. I thought they were pretty good. Um, you know, especially in the second half, I thought their coach made some good adjustments on their defensive side to really um, stifle the Aztec offense. Luis Rodriguez, very impressed with him. I mean, he he was awesome. He was he played good defense. He was hitting those threes. Um, very very impressed with those guys. Um, like you know, like we've always said, their UNLV is great to hate, and the and the league is better when they're good. So you know, it's great that we still took care of business, but you know, it's it's good that they're good. Well, and you know, I think what what I walked away with too is they did one of the things they wanted to do against us, which was turn us over a bunch. And I was so proud of us for kind of overcoming that. So despite the 20 turnovers, we still came out with what was a very solid win. You know, for a team that we were worried that was soft at the beginning of the year, I thought they were definitely, to your point, tough. Like they took their haymakers. Like they've definitely developed a little bit of a harder shell to where maybe at the beginning of the year, we were concerned that, this team was a little soft to be honest 
Yeah, no, I like I like their resiliency. I like their bounce back. I like their our own adjustments, which is something that I think we've criticized this team about a little bit this whole season. Uh, I saw a bit more adjustment, whether it you know not necessarily in game adjustment, but just uh, it was a different, a little bit of different team that came out with a little bit more spark. Okay, so just gonna go into some box score highlights here. Um, the first. The first two will, are obviously who we're going to go to. The first is Darian Tremelli, played 34 minutes. He was four for eight from the field, four for five from three, nine for 11 from the free throw line for 21 points. I mean, that is just, that's as, as efficient as you can get. He had five assists with three turnovers. So not quite two to one, but still very good. Five assists, five assists, 21 and five number is very good. And he was plus 13. I thought Darian was great. And then just kind of to box them in uh, together, uh, for our point here, Matt Bradley, six for 14, but he was five for 10 from three, six for eight from the free throw line. He had four rebounds, 23 total points. Uh, he did have four turnovers, but he was plus 18. Uh, I mean, these guys were dynamite. Yeah, they were awesome, you know, and this is what we want on film, I think, as we go into this conference season. Like, we want other teams afraid of this duo. And I think based on the, the pre-conference games, they were, you know, up and down a little bit. And so to have two games in a row, especially from Matt, where he plays solid like this and is making threes, I think that's setting us up and it's uh, really going to help us come into the conference with some strengths. You, you know, it's a, it's a great point. I think, you know, we'll get into this a little bit more, but I think this is just what kind of what this team is evolving into as the as the season goes on. Um, you know, the fact that Tramel had five assists is good, but that's five of eight is total assists. So we still... I would still love to see this team move the ball a little bit more, but if, you know, if Matt Bradley is Batman to Darian Tramiel's Robin or vice versa on any given night, I think that's a pretty big, you know, that's a really great duo. And, you know, with how the defense has been playing and if those guys can get buckets like that, I think we'll, especially in the mountain West, we're going to be fine. Absolutely. Well, and another thing that we can always count on from the Aztec is a superstar bench player, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go with uh, AG next. He'd, 22 minutes, six for seven from the field, 12 points, five rebounds, four of which were offensive. He was only plus four, but I mean, tonight was the break in case of emergency. I mean, I think there's definitely a finite amount of games uh, that AG can play 20 plus minutes. I thought tonight was, or the UNLV game was the perfect place for him to kind of put his thumb on the scales a little bit. And he was fantastic. Well, and I think we had talked about it a little bit just going into the game on who we thought would be effective, and, and it was going to be a rope, Kashad, or Ladie. And one of those three we saw needing to have a big game in order to beat UNLV, and I, I will, was the guy. I will say, I thought it was going to be all three. I thought all three of those guys were going to eat. Kashad got into way too much foul trouble. I mean, Ladie still had four boards. I mean, that was, that was good. Um, they did a pretty good job of kind of collapsing on him in that no middle defense, but AG, man, I mean, the four offensive rebounds and just the dunks and the sneaking behind them and just out-hustle. I mean, the one where he out-hustled the guy, where he just got down the court and then it ended up being a goaltending, but that's the epitome of AG. And then, you know, last but not least, from, from my perspective, the my favorite play of the game was when he had the ball kind of on the mid-baseline, kind of halfway between the three-point line and the, and the key, fake-handed it off. I think it was to Tremel. Just a quick turn, dunked on it. I've never seen him scream and flex like that before, and he did. And it was, we were at my grandparents' house, just full <laughs> disclosure, and I gave a big like whoop on it, 
And I'm I'm glad I didn't like give my grandpa a heart attack heart attack because I it was it was we were pretty quiet and I gave a I gave a pretty good one on that play. Oh, that was a great play, you know. And I think for for AG, he's so often an intangible contributor, and he had to see him come out with a stat line like he did was really fun. But I will say, even with these stats, he still had those other AG moments, you know, in the second half when we were kind of struggling to get scoring, he scrambled for that loose ball, called the quick timeout. I think Dave Dave Velasquez said on the John Schaefer show after the game, like that was the spark they needed to get going in the second half. And so I love. I love the way he contributes, and I'm just gr- glad he got this good yeah. game. And they needed all the sparks they could get in the second half. The second half was ugly. So, <laughs> um, who else here on the board? Um, you know, Kashad, no baskets. Nathan, no baskets. Jaden, no baskets. Um, I think that's Nathan cleaned up on the glass, though. That was Nathan, great. We needed that for sure. Nathan so. did have 11 boards. I mean, he was he was really good on the boards. So you know. Great there. I, you know, he hit some big free throws when Adam hit or Adam missed two free throws. AG, another point that Dave Velasquez made on John Schaefer um, was that he got the offensive rebound and got the ball back to Nathan. And then Nathan hit two free throws after that to kind of keep the cushion there. So they still, you know, all those guys still had big moments that didn't involve scoring. But we we need them to be offensively efficient at some point. It just it just has to happen. It just has to happen. Yeah, I think the other thing I was hoping for early on in the game was like the Butler game. Uh, we saw some real sparks of it early. It looked and like the it. foul trouble just totally shut him down. I mean, it shuts him down in two ways. I think it it puts him on the bench, so that's obviously the most significant one. He only had 15 minutes. That's his lowest minutes of the season. But what I also see it do to him emotionally is just like he plays different. Like right after he got that third foul or yeah, third foul, like he started missing baskets and, you he, know, it just took away his spark. He's a really good player. Don't get me wrong. He's had some pretty significant mental lapses this year when he got back in the game with three fouls. And then he had the guy kind of backing him down in the corner and he just reached and got his fourth foul. That was about about as bad of a play as we had in that game. I mean, that just couldn't have been more untimely and just quite frankly, not a very big, not a very high basketball IQ play. Again, I love Lamont, but he's had a couple moments this year where it's just like, what are you doing, man? Like, we need you to, we need you to not to do that. And he, (laughs) and like, that was that fourth foul he picked up. I, that was the one point in the game where I lost, I lost it the most of just being like, what, what are you doing? Like, it just, it drove me crazy. It's frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating to me mostly to see guys like him who are so talented and Kashad in foul trouble and riding the bench. And, and it's to your point, like he's in foul trouble. He's trying, he's very obviously trying to make something happen, but like, don't do too much. Like there's no, what, even if he does deflect that ball away, even if he deflects that ball away, it doesn't get the foul there. All that does is send the ball out of bounds and they take it out of bounds. Like, the the juice isn't worth the squeeze in that per, in that right. play. Yeah, it's not it's not like he was going to get a steal for an open look. Um, in, you know the way the ball was positioned. So, anyways, you know I think that's something I'll, I'll look forward to later in the season. I think that will that game will happen for Lamont, but it, it wasn't this game. Even though we got a sparkle at the beginning. Yeah, and then last but not least, I just wanted to touch on Micah Parrish real quick. I thought he played really big tonight. Um, he was two for five. He had a great baseline jumper. Um, and he had five rebounds, two of which were on the offensive boards. I, I thought he played really big. And I think that's an interesting wrinkle to his game instead of just being the three and D guy. He was down low and kind of maneuvering around. He did take a shot that I really didn't like in the second half where it got blocked, where he could have easily passed that out to Nate Bradley. Was, Nate was wide open. Oh, it was Nate. Yeah. I thought Bradley was also kind of open on the three there. Could have been both. Um, but I thought he played big. He played really good underneath the arc. Um, 
but it's just a nice nice wrinkle to his game. I think let's call it next year or the year after when he's really playing a ton of minutes and he's really in the flow of the game and he's not coming off the bench. I think we're going to see a whole other side of this guy and he's going to be awesome. Oh yeah. The, the future is bright for sure. And, you know, just one other note on the box score with the future Saunders got in the game for three minutes, which was very reminiscent for me of the Arizona game, three minutes, one turnover, sit back down. So I love that coach is trying to work him into this though. Um, you know, and get him some experience, but that was, we weren't sure we were going to see him was surprised when we did, but he was, you know, gone as fast as you can blink. Sure. Um, and then lastly, just some, some team stats here. So the team was three, I'm sorry, the team from three was 11 for 21. Fantastic. Nine of those threes came from Tremel or Matt Bradley. Uh, one came from Lamont where he banked it in. I, that, back, that to your, chat. back to your Lamont point. It was it was just ready to be his night, yeah. right? Like yeah. he banked the fact one, that that went he in. banked one in on like the second possession of the game. Like that was that was like oh yes, tonight's Lamont's night that he that he got one to the basket. But I digress. So eleven for twenty one from three, fantastic. Uh, Nineteen for twenty seven from the free throw line, also good. Uh, the team only had eight assists, and I believe seven of them happened in the first half. So we had seven. I believe we had seventeen. We had seven assists on seven baskets in the first. I'm sorry, seven assists on 17 baskets in the first half, which is okay. Like, I think we should be above that 50% number. We had one assist in the second half, and we only had six made baskets. I don't think that is a coincidence. The fact that we only had one assist to six baskets. Again, credit to UNLV. I think they did a really good job of their adjustments of kind of denying the passes the Aztecs were looking to make, and it set them up to, um, you know, take some ISOs. I know that they had mentioned – and I believe it was in Mark Ziegler's article where they installed a, a pick and roll with Darian Trammell and they went under that screen like three times and he hit, he hit two or three of those threes where they went way under the screen and he got like wide open from them. So, you know, if they're installing certain things to get good looks that are without assist, I mean, great. If we, we, you need those kind of plays in the course of a game, especially when it gets tight late, but you know, we're, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, in a, in a little bit more here in a second, but I just would like to see them pass the ball a little bit more. But when it comes to three-pointers between this game and last game, the Aztecs were in the 300s ranking in uh, Ken Palm from three-point percentage. They are now up to 157th. So they went from almost like the last 20 percentile into the middle of the pack. They're actually a little bit above 50% of the pack. Yes. So, you know, hopefully this team just starts finding its rhythm and starts hitting threes. Anything, anything that you think about when it comes to three-pointers? No, I, it, there's just such a relief to start seeing some of those shots fall because what you see is just that domino effect, you know, for other shooters, for the guys that are shooting them, and, and it just builds the confidence of this team. You know, when you're shooting and missing, when you're shooting good shots and missing, it's really deflating. So these last two games, I think, have really built us some momentum going into the rest of this conference season. So it's great as a fan to watch. And I think great for the players to have that experience too. I saw some quote and I, I it might've been from Tremel and it, it could have been from Velasquez on John Schaefer. I, it was after this game and they talked about how, how these, how these guys are such good shooters and how it's almost osmosis when they make and miss them where like one guy that they know can make a bunch starts missing. It, it rubs off on It's just the way basketball is as a game. And so the fact that they're starting to finally hit some threes, I think it's starting to rub off on some of the other guys. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll you know we'll see their their percentages go up. You know, I think there's potential for the regression 
back a little bit. Um, you know, they had two games at basically 50%. I, you know, I don't think that'll be like that, that all for every game going forward, but you know, I think we'll be right there. I mean, right now the Aztecs are at 33.7%. You know, if they can get that up to 35, if they can shoot around 35% every game. I think that is, that'd be fantastic. But I think the other thing is, you know, we're not going to go every game without Nathan Mensa having a field goal. So, you know, I think there's a lot of balance with this team. And as we talk a little bit more about the offense, like, what we need is a couple of these guys to be on every night and, and the rest will kind of gel in. Sure. So great segue. Awesome job, Car. <laughs> so with the offense coming into the year, it was like, these guys are going to run and gun. We're going to get out in the break. We're going to get a lot of transition threes. We're going to move the ball. There's tons of guys. And we kind of did that at the beginning of the season, especially in Cal State Fullerton and BYU. We, in my opinion, have regressed. I would call it a regression back to the style of play this team played last year, but with better parts. So they're quite frankly, they're better at playing at that style. That's why we, you can put up 76 points against a UNLV. My question is you, to you is ha, have your expectations changed on how this offense is going to work? And have you accepted, have you just accepted that? Because I think I was kind of in denial and they were going to start picking up their assist and their assist percentages are going to be way higher. I think I'm to the point where I've just kind of accepted that, they're going to play like they did last year. They just have better guys or better pieces to play that style to where we can still get, you know, better offensive statistics. Yeah. I mean, for me at the end of the day, what matters is getting the win. And so as long as something's clicking on offense, like I'm going to be okay with it. Like I, I don't love watching chaotic basketball. I don't love watching guys who we know are extremely talented struggle from the field. But what I can trust as an Aztec fan year over year with, you know, totally different personnel is that we have good pieces in place and somebody's going to step up. And at the end, you know, we just are a scrappy basketball program. We play tough defense. We find ways to grind it out. And, you know, what a relief it would be to find the offense that would take us away from that a little bit. But what I think I've kind of accepted for the year is we might always have some of that scrap. We might always have a guy that's struggling, but we can have faith knowing that we have talent and somebody else is going to step in and fill that slot. Yeah, I think Velasquez made a point like they really like stepped into their defense and like really put a point of emphasis. I think that was, if you read between the lines, that's them saying, Oh wait, the offense isn't what we thought it was. We got to like really get dig into our heels of what this team does. Like it's best. Yeah. Those are their fundamentals. It's who they are. It's their personality of their program and like bringing in a Trammell who's going to, you know, be a great shooter is awesome. Um, but we're Aztecs. We're going to grind it out. Yeah. And it's, personally, I think it's a little disappointing. You know, at the beginning of the season, we use the, we use the uh, analogy about the football team. That's like finally going to spread it out. They always run the ball and they finally spread it out. Well, we tried to spread it out. Now we're back to running the ball every time. And I do think, like I said, the pieces to play that style are there that are better than last year's pieces, in my opinion. But I do still think there's going to be an opportunity at some point that this team is going to click and there's going to be the one game. It's like, yes, that's what it was supposed to be like. That's what it's supposed to be like the whole time. Do you remember the game in 1920 when we went to the pit and it was like 21 to two in the first like five minutes of the game. And we were just hitting threes and we were just passing the ball around and we looked unfreaking believable. Dude, do you remember that game? I, uh, yes, vaguely. But what I do remember from that season is being 
relieved in multiple early games to be like, oh, this is working. I have to say, though, I felt that way a little bit during the UNLV game. I felt like, okay, I can trust these guys to figure it out. Yeah, I I probably didn't feel that way. (laughs) I'm an optimist. I, I just... You know, I want them to move the ball more, and it's just they're not. And but you know what? If if Bradley's going to hit threes like that, the thing though is, is if he's not going to hit threes at a five for ten clip, or Tremel's not going to hit threes at a four for five clip, they have to figure something out to manufacture some offense that isn't complete ISO. Because in the second half, UNLV really made adjustments to make them go ISO, and it was ugly. In the first half, I thought they shared the ball good, and they kind of and they definitely. And they definitely got their assist. It wasn't quite a 50% number, but I just, I've accepted it. I've accepted it, but that, that this is how they're going to play. And like, if it gets tight, like Dutch is totally fine with just ISOing Matt Bradley. But if it's not working or he's off, I want them to do something else other than just rely on the defense to get stops. And we're going to win 49 to 52. Yeah. Like they have to have a, a plan B. I mean, I guess plan B is also kind of just a rope getting offensive rebounds. <laughs> that's also plan B. Or if I think Ladie could have a game that's very similar to how AG played tonight. Um, but I, I just think it's a little disappointing that it hasn't worked out the way it was. I have, I am in the acceptance mode of how this team's going to kind of look going forward and just not be like, why aren't they passing it every time? But, you know, I still think there's a game out there that they're going to click and it's going to be like, yes, that's what it's supposed to be. I think you're right. And I just think, you know, again, I will be the optimist and say there's a lot of tools in this team's toolbox. I think Dutch is conservative on the adjustments, but I do think that, you know, if we hadn't had such a strong first half, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else he would have pulled out. In the yeah, and you know, when we were talking before the game, when we went on a walk before the game, you know, one of the things I said to you is like, oh man, there's a real chance that this game is like 60 to 58. Like I was I was pretty convinced that that was probably what was going to happen in this game. And the Essex were able to get a get out to a really strong start at the beginning. Um, so it wasn't, it didn't end up being that way. But if the second half duplicated to the first half, it would have been, UNLV actually won the second half, but the score would have been 64-68 if it was just the grinded out style that it mm. was in the second half. Um, but, you know, it's fine. I'll just say one other thing I was impressed with in the second half, and, you know, I agree with you that it was ugly, but, you know, UNLV had some lights out moments in like the last five minutes of that game, and we didn't we crumble. It. And it was, it was a little scary. It was a little dicey, but Tremel nailed another three. Nathan made those free throws. I mean, there was a couple of moments. We broke a couple presses. They weren't beautiful, but I felt like there were some moments at the end of that game when UNLV was playing tough that we overcame those. We and took, that, the, that was we really took their best punches. And that was something I kind of mentioned earlier. Like we were tough. Our team was tough. And that is a good sign because – you know, when you think about some of the teams of yore, when they had the 135 straight games of winning after having the lead with five minutes to go, I mean, that's toughness. That's 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 the grit to grind those games out because you would think over the course of that streak, there's there was one game in there where the lead was flipping back and forth and they were only up by one with five minutes to go and yet they still figured it out. That's the kind of toughness that they showed against UNLV, which makes me excited for the rest of the season, that they showed that grit. Um, I think that toughness and my positivity around the toughness outweighs the negativity of just being like, 
they're not going to get as many assists. It's not going to be as pretty as I would like it to be, but that toughness was really, was really outstanding against UNLV for sure. Agreed. Any more thoughts that you have about the offense or the flow of the game? I, you know, just any, anything that top of mind. I mean, you know, I just last night he tightened up the rotation a little bit. Part of that was forced because of the foul trouble that, Kashad and Butler were in, but what we saw was more of, you know, a consistency from seven guys. It was, you know, a rope and parish. There were the bench guys that got the primary minutes. Especially in the first half, because those guys went out with two fouls so early in the first half. I thought that Parrish got in a great flow. It was part of the, the genesis of my comment of like, when he gets to play like real starters minutes and like start the games, like he's going to be great. It, it's part of what, what you're talking about is those guys got in such early foul trouble that we had no choice but to go to a seven man rotation. and it flourished in the first half. Well, and you know, what I just have wanted to see all year is some of these guys get a little more rhythm. We were subbing so much and we're subbing so quickly. And I know they have a short leash for guys when they make, you know, a mistake on defense or whatever. But what I thought we saw was a little bit of more consistent playing time together of these groups. Now I have some like dream teams that I want to see more of. And one of those is like the Ladi Kashad thing. Um, and so I just really wanted to see more of that. Last night wasn't the game for it, but um, those are those are some future moments, hopefully. Absolutely. So moving on, just, all right, we're going to go to the segment, Homer or Hater. So we're just going to, we went through this with Trone. So just one thought where it's maybe a little bit irrational, but it's going to be either a huge Homer thought or a huge Hater thought. So give me your Homer or Hater, Carly. All right. Well, I'm never going to be a real hater on this team, but something I really, really hate this year is the new flop rule. And that frustrated me so much last night in the in the game when Parrish and uh, Bradley both got those calls. I think, uh, you know, maybe one was more warranted than the other, but I hate it. I think last year's flop warning was effective enough at kind of curbing some of that. And I just really don't like it. I don't like was, what it's doing in the game. Was last year's flop warning, was it was the warning per player or per team? I think it was per player. See, if they just switched it to per team, mm. that would probably kind of give the give the rule a little bit more bite. Yeah. But it would also, like, the one against Bradley was freaking outrageous. The one against Parrish on the shot was probably worse. He didn't need to fall, but he definitely was fouled. It, I don't even know if he was fouled, but it was just a basketball play. It wasn't where he's like, you know, soccer flopping in the World <laughs> Cup. It, it wasn't like that. It wasn't egregious like that. So if you think it's flopping or it's getting out of hand, you give a team the warning and then you move on and then you move on from there. But I thought, yeah, I think you're you're spot on with that. Yeah, so. I don't like it. What about you? You got a homer or hater for us? All right. So my homer this week is that this team is going to go undefeated in the Mountain West. I didn't even think we had our A game and that's supposed to be probably the third best team in the Mountain West. And we own them at home. I, you know, there's the Mountain West is there's always a grenade out there, you know, kind of in the middle of like the dog days of the conference season. But if they play a B plus or better every game or even like a B minus or better, this team's going undefeated in the conference. Like we've talked about that before. Our our schedule was so good. We're like, oh, maybe the Mountain West is a little better. No, this team could absolutely. And I think could, you know, there's above a 70 percent chance that this team goes undefeated in the conference. And after last night, I'm that's pretty ingrained into what I believe. I love it. I'm, I'm a classic Homer, so I can fully support that. I hope it happens. Let's will it into existence. Just gonna, just gonna crush these guys with our defense, and uh, that's just gonna the way it's gonna be. So, quickly, one thing I just want to do is a quick metrics update. So, after the game, we bumped up in Ken Palm to 24. The big catapult was in the net, 
and that was from 31 to 23. Our offensive efficiency is still at 53 at 108 uh, adjusted efficiency. And our defense is at 14th in the country. And like I said in the last pod, that's really made quite the jump uh, from even like two weeks ago, just like our three-point shooting has. So as long as those things keep ascending, this team still has a high ceiling. You know, based on the ISO ball that we were playing last game, you know, the the great equalizer is the three-pointer. If this team hits threes, even in ISO, they're going to win. And if they don't, they're going to struggle. I mean, if they miss two more threes or three more threes in that last game, the team loses. I mean, that's, that's how big of an equalizer the three-point shot is. So, you know, it's just really important for them to keep hitting shots, keep doing their thing. And, um, you know, if they're not hitting threes to really find, you know, get ball movement going to get easy buckets because the ISO threes off the dribble, like there's going to be games where that doesn't happen. But, you know, those are my big metrics updates. Anything that, anything that you can think of or, you want to comment on there? No, I love it. I mean, I think it's nice to see us catapulting. I love that. Um, you know, getting back up there towards the top of the conference where we belong. Yeah, for sure. Totally. I love it. All right, moving on. There is no midweek game. So we are on a bye for our weekday games this week before Wyoming next Saturday. So with Jamal Franklin in the crowd rocking his Ronnie Hillman jersey, which was awesome. Love to see it. I didn't even probably recognize that they were probably classmates. They overlap, but I I really loved it. Very touching. He was super into the game, but that got Carly and I thinking about, you know, where's everybody at? Like, let's let's do a little Aztecs and the pros update. What, Carly? What do you got? Oh, we have some beloved players, right? So Jamal was great to see. I loved the Ronnie Hillman thing too. R.E.P. That was uh, really tough. So him representing there, I think, was great for the team. Jamal's been in China for the last few years. So I think some people might know this about him. He, instead of kind of pursuing the NBA route, he's been playing for the Shanghai Sharks. I think he's been, was there for about five years, which is pretty cool. Um, he's a jimmer, right? He was playing with jimmer, which we hate, but you know. They make good money over there. Good for him. Uh, he's probably one of the more successful Aztec pros for for being in that league, and that's a huge. He thing. had some really solid years over there. I mean, those guys make they make in the millions to go play over there. I mean, there's a reason why it's a, it's like when Premier League soccer players come play in the MLS. It's a very similar deal to when American players go play in China. He had multiple years like scoring thirty plus, making you know well well into you know seven figures he so had a 1.9 million dollar contract at one point yeah so. i mean good for him man Loving i mean it. i just know with the chinese league it's not surprising he's not on a team right now because i know jeremy lin just left his team because with their COVID restrictions over there um they were playing in a bubble and i think their bubble situation was not ideal and i think a lot of the american guys are kind of bailing yeah wow that's interesting so yeah great to see jamal in vegas i can expect he's probably there maybe working out we'll see what's next from yeah, demarcus cousins was at the game too which matt bradley apparently loved i, I hope he's not getting on-court tactics from demarcus cousins <laughs> but um you know he, de- he definitely has got a little demarcus cover cousins flavor out there sometimes yes definitely so you know we thought maybe we'll just kind of dig into a couple of our other guys that are in the nba right now maybe some other tangents uh malachi flynn playing for the raptors been loving he's getting some extra minutes it's about time like there's there's all these great articles from their beat writers up there like from the last couple years like why isn't this guy playing like he seemed to be in nick nurse's doghouse 
and it's fine. It, it seems like it's finally happening. Yeah, the last last couple of weeks in particular, he's been getting a big increase in minutes. He's averaging 16 minutes per game right now, which you know I think shows that he's been playing even more than that these last few weeks because he was getting probably you know closer to you know eight to ten earlier in the season, but he's averaging six points a game. And, you know, some of the press, it's great. Always getting kudos for that defense. You know, he's scrappy, although he did have a really sad play against Kawhi when the Raptors played the Clippers the other we'll, day. We'll get to him later, but so did Jalen McDaniel. So <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But but I think he's been playing great. And I'm glad he's getting playing time. I mean, when we when he got drafted, I remember, Car- first off, Carly loves the draft. So we always big watch fan. it. Even if there's no Aztecs in it, we always watch the draft. NFL and NBA, both big fan of those. Um but when he went to the Raptors, we're like, oh, Fred Van Fleet. Perfect. Another small guy. He went to Wichita State. Perfect guy to learn from. And it just seemed to take him a little bit longer. But he was a little bit of a late bloomer in college. Too. I mean, he transferred from Washington State to the Aztecs. So um, I just love seeing him play. I love that guy. I mean, he's he was such a good player. I was actually looking at his Evan Mia stats. He is – his advanced metrics on that 1920 year were freaking awesome. And I just – I miss him. He's Miss great him too. He's a great Aztec. When did they come to the, when did they come to the Clippers? They already come. I don't know. We'll have to take a look. We gotta look at that. We'll we'll scope him out. You know, I think he's got a great career ahead of him, and it's nice to see him finally getting a little bit of traction. You know, and I think what we might see some similarities to actually is Jalen McDaniels. You know, he's taken several years to kind of start to find his rhythm in the NBA as well. Uh, but he's having a career year, flying a little under the radar, but he's been playing great. Yeah, Jalen McDaniels has been awesome. Um, he's like, I believe he's Charlotte's six man. Yeah. Um, he's getting some big points. You want to talk about a guy though. He, Kawhi put him on the, put him on his hip at the end of like his second or third game back from uh, coming back from the injured list, but he's playing great. He gets some great dunks. I will say I was, I was kind of a Jalen McDaniels hater when he left. I was like, uh, great. Good luck. Um, he, he never seemed like he really wanted to play college basketball, to be honest. Um, but you know what? He still redshirted and then played two more years. So he was still with the program for three years. So it wasn't like a complete, just like see you later. But I will say in college, he wasn't my favorite guy that we've ever had, but you know, his goal was to get to the NBA. His body is much more of an NBA, pro, you know, prototypical body. He's hitting threes. He gets dunks. He plays good defense. Like, you know, just really, I mean, talk about a guy that's grinded it out and he plays a, a, you know, I love Michael Jordan, but that's not the greatest organization in the world. And, you know, hopefully he can go and get a bag with a good team and be a real contributor coming off the bench somewhere. Yeah, definitely. I mean, right now he's averaging almost 11 points, five rebounds. He's shooting 46% from the field. So like, those are just some pretty good solid stats coming from him. But, you know, like Malachi, he's always getting props for his D because he can, you know, really guard multiple positions. And I think yeah. that's something this program readies these guys for. So. Definitely. They get him ready to play NBA defense. I mean, the, also the thing is that they play man to man. They don't, they don't really zone. So like, I mean, zone is getting a little bit more popular in the NBA, but playing zone in the NBA is different because you can't park a guy in the paint. They're still defensive three seconds. So the way they play zone is different than the way they play it in college. But the fact that the Aztecs play a ton of man-to-man is just, it's such a better jumping off point to go to play professional basketball. I mean, you know, there's guys that we have all over the world playing professional basketball. And the kind of the point of this segment is to show like, hey, we may not have a ton of guys in the NBA, we have a ton of guys making real money around the world playing professional basketball. And that's, that's all because of the program that, that these guys have built over, you know, the last 22 years or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Although 
no one's ever going to scoff at having a two-time NBA Finals MVP That's true. as an alum. So That's true. Uh, just a quick touch on Kawhi. He is back for the clips. Uh, we've been dying to see him play. Austin and I live a couple blocks from Crypto.com Arena. We try to get over there whenever we can. We were super bummed last season that he was hurt. Uh, and he's I mean, just, he was hurt in the game we bought tickets for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We went to one Clippers game so far this season. At least season. PG he was did good not play. Game. PG was good in that game, though. He was. Didn't he, didn't he have like 40 points in that game? He, he might have. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a homer in every way when it comes to Kawhi, but I also love the Mountain West Conference duo of him and PG. I will say, um, though, it's a huge bummer because they really play up that they're from L.A., so they don't actually say he's from San Diego State in the warm-ups. They don't do it for Paul George either because they go Palm – I think they say Palmdale and Riverside for both those guys, yeah. but – I digress. Whatever. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Kawhi's still managing his minutes this season, but he's getting up to 17 points and six rebounds as his averages so far this season, which is good. Um, you know, I think even the last couple of weeks, he's shown sparks of being more like himself. He had like 26 points, uh, 24 points. He had a great game against the Celtics. So love me some Kawhi. Yeah, I think he's been, you know, Kawhi doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. And he just... You know, why did he doesn't need to play in the regular season? That's just not that's just not what he needs to do. And he's getting himself ready to go for the playoffs. He's he's gearing himself up. Um, I think the Clippers have a real chance to to make some real noise if him and Paul George are healthy. Um, I just want to get over there and watch him play. Yeah, definitely. We've seen him more in Boston than we, we've seen him here when that, we lived in Boston. That is true. We went out of our way for those games. But, you know, one nice thing I've seen with him is he, he's more present with the team, too. So, like, Austin, Austin's a Lakers fan, but I'm rooting for the Clippers this year. Hey, so. you made me buy a Clipper shirt, though. I have a Clipper shirt. Like, I might have to edit that out of this podcast, but I have a, <laughs> I do have a Clipper shirt for, you know, just so. If you're going to show up, you got to look the part. Yeah, it's, you know, and the Clipper games are so much more accessible, like. We go to Clippers game. We probably go to what? What do you say? Three to one Clippers, the Lakers games. Yeah, definitely. So just, I'm sure nobody, you know, anybody that's an NBA fan, probably this surprises no one, but we sat in the bleeders of the bleeders for a Lakers game. And for that same price, we can sit in the lower bowl and like have a, somebody come and like bring us hot dogs and nachos and stuff like that for the <laughs> same price. So like, we love going to Clippers games just to like a see one a, fan experience. The a one fan experience. It's a great experience, but like, you get to see all the good guys uh, around the NBA come in. We were we, we were going to go see Washington before uh, Jordan Shackle got sent back down, but you know the Clippers they put a good product together at, at Staples. I'm very I'm very impressed by what they do, and it's affordable. It's if you're ever in LA and there's a Clippers game and Kawhi's going to play, hundred percent recommend. Tickets are pretty cheap. You can get a good seat, and it's it's fun. It's fun. They it's got fun a D, they got like a DJ going the whole time. It's not the most basketball oriented experience, but. It's still good. It's it's a good. I will say it's good. They're time. building a unique fan base. If you have kids, especially, kids love Clippers games because they got like a DJ and there's all sorts of stuff going on. Like it's like a one big ADD fest with just like basketball, halftime, DJ, in between timeout stuff. Like it's 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 a jam. Yeah, so. love it. But yeah, speaking of Jordan Shackle, he's another one of our guys. I got a couple of 2020 team guys that I, I keep my eye on always. You know, he had a two-way contract with the Wizards all last season pretty much and he into this season, but that recently ended. So kind of a bummer to see him step back fully into the G League. But he's, you know, playing solid minutes for the Capital City Go-Go. And, you know, again, he's doing the Aztec thing. He's grinding it out. I... I always thought he was a, a better NBA prospect than Matt Mitchell. Um, I love Matt Mitchell. Don't get me wrong. But like he was always the guy. Well, and yeah, Carly can attest tall, to this. He can he shoot, shoot free from the corner. He shoots threes and he plays defense. And 
it was pretty just, I was pretty bummed to see him get his two-way contract taken. You know, I, I, he'd be a great fit on the Lakers. Honestly, they could use some three-point shooting, but um, he, but you know, he, I, I watched a lot of the capital city go, social media team is actually pretty good. And so they post a ton of Jordan Shackle stuff, especially when he has really good games mm-hmm. and uh, his shot is looking wetter than ever. And I really, I want him to stick on a team. If Orlando Robinson can play backup center on the Miami Heat, Jordan Shackle can find a place in the NBA. I'm certain of it. Yep. No, I agree. I think, you know, he's putting in the time, he's putting in the work. So I'm sure we'll see more of him in the future. So we got a couple other guys, like Austin was saying, you know, playing internationally, which is pretty cool. I mean, some of these are in really good, you know, top leagues in, you know, in Europe. So Yanni is in Germany now, which is interesting. He started out post-college in New Zealand, but he's on one of the top, in the top leagues in, uh, for Alba Berlin which is pretty Bundesliga. great. I love it. Uh, you know, he, this is his first season with them. He's playing 12 minutes, averaging five points, but you know, we, we love Yanni. Love Yanni. He played really great in Australia in his rookie season. He played for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix um, or something other than others, but the, you know, bumping up from Australia to the Euro league. I mean, that's a really great step. I mean, I would probably say the Australian league is probably the fourth best league in the world. And the Euro league is the second best league in the world. Um, the fact that he kind of made that promotion is just great news. And I, I love it. I love seeing, I love seeing him be successful. I just, I adored him playing in San Diego state. He was, he played one year and he's probably one of my all time favorite Aztecs. Yeah. I mean, he's very endearing. We got to feed their fan base. Some of the Wetzel pretzel jokes though. See if they, Oh, they did that in Australia or when he was playing for New Zealand breakers. Yeah, Yeah, but Germany. Germany pretzels. Right? Oh, that's true. No? I don't know. But does 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 the shows? Uh, he's long. He uh, no, uh, no, no, no. digress there. But I don't Not know if that. PC. I don't. I don't know if that translates to German very well. <laughs> oh, uh, I, yeah. Anyways, Austin, I had this dream of like going to Europe and seeing a couple of these guys. So my personal favorite, of course, is Matt Mitchell. Uh, we also love France. So he's been playing in his second season with Sig Strasberg in France, and he's crushing it. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad. He broke his hand. Is that what it was? He broke, he his broke hand. a small bone in his hand. So he's out right now. He's been injured. I don't think it's season ending, um, but that was a bummer. He's, you know, averaging 30 minutes and 20 points a game for them. He had a great season. I think the the team went into the like finals. Yeah, or, they made the semifinals. They, like the, they made a pretty far run in the EuroLeague. I mean, he's looking jacked. He probably lost another 20 pounds, you know, just the, yeah. or maybe he's <laughs> kind of, maybe, he, maybe he gained 20 pounds, but like a good 20 pounds. Like he was looking very svelte. They, from everything I've seen, they they seem to love him over there. He's enjoying his time in France. Um, the the team Six Strasbourg is right on the the French Swiss border, so it's like in the French Alps. Like, what a cool place! Like, unless you're going to play for like the PSG version of like the French basketball, you know, French PSG basketball team. I think he's in a pretty killer spot. Like, I don't know. It seems so. like it. They seem to love him. He's been playing great. He did come back to the states for the summer. He was playing uh, summer league on the Nuggets team, which we got a couple. Got to catch him in a couple of those games. I, You know, this guy's dream is to play in the NBA. I don't know if that's in the cards for him, but I hope, like, you know, even if he goes the Jamal Franklin route, money, like money, he money. can get some cash. Get the cash. Go get the cash. You know, it's funny. We talked about our dream vacation. There was a last season, Trey Kell was playing for AC Milan. He's actually playing in Australia this year. But there's actually quite the train route that we could have taken from Strasbourg through Berlin up to Milan where we could have – we we may or may not have mapped out the vacation <laughs> to go like see those guys play uh, during their basketball seasons over there and been like the rowdy Americans um, at those games in our SDSU sweatshirt. We've been like, it's funny. We were at this game. We were, went to a PSG game a couple years ago and everybody's 
grabbing beers before and it's pretty subtle and you hear the you hear going crazy it's like all right like crazy european soccer this is gonna be great and it's like the one rowdy american kind of having too many drinks that would have been carly and me going to those three cities going to visit yanni matt and uh, trey kell playing playing over in the euro league but um, i just love seeing those guys have success um, hey, Yanni and Matt could still, those teams could kind of meet. They could. Down, They're down both the in the EuroLeague. They're, you know, so the way that Euro works is they play in their country leagues and their country leagues feed into the EuroLeague. Kind of similar to Champions League, but it's a little bit, there's more games than the Champions League where that's more of a tournament. Um, but they could definitely run into each other in the EuroLeague, which which would be awesome. So Ooh, I didn't, I didn't dig into the stats on this, but I think I remember it from social media. Didn't Matt's team play Terrell Gomez's team recently? Yes, that's they right. Cause he's, in, Cause he's in France too, right? I think he's in the actual same French league as Matt Mitchell. And yeah. Like on a lower level or not a, low, a French, a French league one team, but kind of not as not as, as prominent as the Strasbourg team. That's yeah. right. I remember that. That's good. I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only other one that I just, you know, I've, we, when we talked about this was just uh, Winston Shepard, he's playing in New Zealand um thank thank goodness he is as far from ukraine and like eastern europe as possible after they had to like shuttle him out of the country and a couple of his teammates last year what better what polar opposite place to go to play from <laughs> a war-torn ukraine which you know that's just awful to to go to new zealand to play basketball new zealand is awesome like it's, what a you know i'm glad he got that opportunity again that's a great league that he's in over there um but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad Winston Shepard is safe. I'm glad he still gets to play basketball and that the war didn't kind of take away yeah, his professional scary. aspirations. And just like, what a freaking story, man. Like that's, that's unreal. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you know, I mean, when I was Googling some of the stuff, like who all else is still playing, you know, there was like 19 names that kept popping up. So I, I didn't go through and research all of them. To I know see Billy how played, people Billy are. still plays in Canada. Does he? I know he plays in that Canadian. He won like a couple, like finals MVPs in the Canadian like there's only like six teams in it but he was at a recent home he game he was at a recent home he? game um but I think this is all that's a testament to this program absolutely. and how it keeps people like these are Aztecs for life just like we're diehard fans like I love seeing guys that played in this program support this program the fact that Jamal Franklin was at that game in a Ronnie Hillman jersey just showing the support for the team and just like the overall university and just like the athletics program just shows the bonds that these guys have like do you, if you watch any of Kashad Johnson's Instagram I'm pretty sure he's like really good friends with Jalen Maiden. Like he was all over Jalen Maiden starting. He's friends with a lot of those football players. Um, it's great to see that they support each other. It's, you know, it's just, you know, we go to a lot of the games and we, you know, we're quite the over overlapping of football basketball. I personally, you know, more basketball, but like, you know, just see those guys there supporting one another and just the broader efforts, especially as we, you know, knock on wood, elevate to the Pac-12. It's just fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So. I love being a part of this program and, you know, it really just kind of supports everything we're trying to achieve on the court when the stuff off the court is clicking. Definitely. And if there's other, I think there's one other weekend by, so maybe we can do another similar Aztecs and the pros and just talk about everybody that we, we could just blaze through a bunch of guys that, that are all out there just to show where guys are playing and how they're doing. Yeah. You know, and on, on those slow sports days, give those guys a follow on Twitter, go follow the Sig Strasburg and the, you know, capital city, go, go social counts. They're super fun. Yeah. I mean, you have to hit the translate tweet on a bunch of them just to see what they're saying. Like I, but it's how I practice my French. It's awesome though. And like, it's just like, what a, just a cool experience. Like Matt Mitchell, what is he probably 25 now? And he's just playing basketball in a awesome European town. Like good for him. So all right. Well, with that being said, I think we're just going to wrap it up um, because there's will be no game to review on our midweek podcast. 
uh, we're going to go ahead and I'm going to try something new and do a mailbag. So you can either throw a question in my DMs. You can also email me at itsaustinbolton at gmail.com or just however else you can figure out a way to get a hold of me. Just throw a question in. I'll throw a tweet up in the middle of the week uh, so you can throw it in the comments there. But love to hear back from you. Want to answer your questions. We can you know, do a little Homer hater. We can do, you know, any kind of tactical questions, any kind of uh, advanced metrics. I can do my best to research all that stuff for you guys, but I would love to hear from you, get some engagement um, in a classic radio format with the mailbag. So hope to hear from you. Anything else, Car? No, I love that. We uh, hopefully we'll hear a little bit more about this upcoming Wyoming game too. That'll be a big one on the road, but yes, we'll also preview the Wyoming game either before or after the mailbag. I, I haven't quite figured out the format. So it'll be a mailbag and then a Wyoming preview in our next show. So send those questions our way. But Love it. Go Aztecs. Go Aztecs.